podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping the Iowa State win. It was a Controversial win, depending on who you pay attention to, but, uh, you know, we, I think we can all agree that the Big 12 refs were, uh, out in style as they normally are in that particular game. Uh, but to help me do that, as he usually does, uh, Steve Fetch, our editor in chief, or I'm sorry, our, our basketball editor over at Rock Talk, man, I just gave you a promotion, Fetch, uh, over at Rock Talk Talk. How you doing tonight, Fetch? Uh, hopefully I get a raise too. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, well, well, we'll have to see about that. I, I mean, I, I would assume if you ended up being editor in chief, you know, you would uh, get to decide how much you actually make compared to. But anyway, um, yeah. So this is, I think the best way to describe it is this was a frustrating game. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think the big story, if you're an Iowa State fan, was you know there was that goaltending that they missed, and and I, I mean, I still maintain that the biggest thing to come out of that wasn't even necessarily that Kansas benefited from it. Uh, but more the fact that they should make those kind of calls reviewable without them having to actually be called in the first place, um, because this is not the first time it's happened this year. Um, but there was a bunch of other stuff kind of going on and some really, I, I guess the best way to put it is this was not a great performance for Kansas by any means, correct? No, and, and you know, to, to start off, I mean, you can you can miss me with a ref talk. I mean, I uh, went on a, a pretty big long rant about that after the, the Texas Tech game on Saturday where Kansas lost and and uh, probably did not get a great whistle uh, in that one. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not just saying it because they, because they won uh, the Iowa state game, but that's uh that's loser talk to me. I mean, if you want to be a good team, you should win uh, despite calls. And, and the other thing, you know, we, we talk about is, you know, everyone remembers the last call, but there were a bunch of calls before that, that definitely went Iowa state's way. And uh, just the general tone of the way that the game was called, I think favored Iowa state a little bit, just in the sense that um, especially without, Remy Martin, you know, Kansas has not done very well with ball pressure on the perimeter and right. more guys are allowed to, you know, really reach in and grab and, and kind of, you know, play physical defense on the perimeter, which um, in my opinion are fouls. But I mean, if they're not being called ever, then they're not being called. And I guess you can't really blame them for, for being consistent. But I just think that with Kansas's personnel, that kind of uh, harms them a little bit. So um, in any event, I, I think you'd rather have the whistle that Iowa State got than, than what Kansas got. But to the to the game itself. Well, well, and um, and yeah. real 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 quick because you know it is one of those things. You're right. We did say that after you know the Texas Tech game. Like the refs being bad at their job can be a reason, but it is never the only reason that you lost. So like, yes, you can acknowledge it as a contributing factor, but if you are blaming your loss on that and saying, "Oh, I would have won if not for this," that means you're ignoring a lot of the other things that happened in the game that didn't necessarily swing your way. The other one that I saw a lot of people complain about, you know, there was that Iowa State video that showed that the 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 three that uh that was made that got overturned and called a two, you know, by that angle it looked like he was behind the line. The one thing I will say, um just because I've had people arguing with me like crazy about this is Look, you don't necessarily have that angle. It's also kind of one of those things, the way that you look at it, if you were looking from directly above, um, you know, there is a good chance that his toe was kind of overhanging the line. It was just the angle of the way that you got from, you know, someone in the baseline looking directly at them that you see the little bit of, of space there. Um, they use the, the, the angles that they have in terms of video. And it's also, you know, kind of similar to the whole above the arc thing for the restricted arc. 
Um, you know, they're going to call those away. They're going to call them with the best angles that they have. So if, again, if you're complaining about that, that one point swing there of that one being overturned, um, you know, I could probably find camera angles that can show pretty much anything I want if you have enough of them. So like, it's definitely one of those things. Again, I don't want to hear that as a complaint of, oh my gosh, that's what should have sent the game into overtime and given Iowa state another chance. Um, there was a lot of stuff to actually break down game wise that allowed Kansas to go ahead and win. Kansas had some things go against them that, you know, if it didn't go that way, they probably would have won this one quite handily. But uh, so like you were saying, you know, what was actually going on in this game, I think Remy Martin being gone in this game, again, kind of reared its ugly head and really showed just how dependent this Kansas team is on him. Yeah, 100%. You know, turned it over on a, a fourth of their possessions. And, and like we talked about earlier, I mean, you can't do that for multiple reasons. You know, first of all, it, it uh, takes away a shot from you and a lot of times if they're these you know um live ball turnovers you're giving Iowa State uh, a team that's not very good offensively you know you're giving them a pretty easy transition opportunity and, and you just can't do that so um yeah Remy Martin hopefully will be back I don't know if he's gonna play this Saturday um sounds like they might let him rest one more game my personal opinion is that they should let him come back when he's absolutely you know 100% and, and don't push it um, we've seen how important he is to this team. So I'd rather go into, you know, frankly, I'd rather go into the NCAA tournament as like a, you know, seven seed with a hundred percent healthy Remy Martin than to have him kind of in and out of the lineup. And you don't know what, what he's going to be and, and, you know, not be healthy in, in March and be a, a two or three seed or whatever. I mean, I think he's that important to this team. So, um, you know, I, I think that other than that though, um, not really as bad as I think people are making it out to be, um, you know, the, by win probability, they were in the, you know, 80 something percent for most of that second half there. Uh, the effort in the first half was, was terrible. Um, but once they kind of adjusted, once they started, you know, playing a little harder, uh, things got better, obviously, um, you know, did pretty good on the glass after not being so good in the first half, that sort of stuff. Um, actually did a, a pretty decent job defensively and actually you know when they were able to um you know get the ball inside and, and not turn the ball over they did a pretty good job offensively as well against a, a defense that i think has shown as um one of the better ones in the country so um you know it's one of those things where they didn't play great but they also maybe played a little bit better than what uh the general mood is uh today yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is one of those things. This is a team that we knew, especially with Remy Martin out, was going to struggle offensively, and we saw that. Um, you know, this is just a team that, for whatever reason, um, you know, it, it's weird because when you look at the stats, you don't necessarily – like, Martin doesn't jump out to you as the main facilitator, but for whatever reason, when he's not out there, either the spacing is off or something else is off, and, you know, the other players that typically are doing well in terms of assists and, and things like that and not turning the ball over, it just messes with the, the chemistry, the way that they play. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where it doesn't seem like it should make that big of a difference, but we've now seen it multiple times that it does. And so I'm not necessarily that surprised. The defense, I thought, actually played fairly well in this game. And yes, you have to take into account that Iowa State is not a fantastic offensive team. Um, and so, you know, so maybe you have to kind of weighted a little bit that way. But I mean, anytime your game ends in the low sixties, that means that your defense is playing well. Um, it's not like Iowa state was just missing wide open shots. They were taking contested shots. They weren't necessarily making as many as they, as they should. And yes, you can point to defensive breakdowns that gave Iowa state some, some pretty good chances uh, to really kind of keep this game close and potentially take out a win. But, 
you know, this was a, this was a, a team that from what I saw did a really, really good job of dealing with the punches that they were taking, finding a way to overcome it. And that's really what this team does is, you know, they find a way to stay in games, not necessarily win all the games that they should, but for the most part, they stay in games um, to a point where they actually have a chance that as long as they can get a few things to go their way down the stretch, uh, that they're going to have a chance to win that game. Uh, you know, I do want to talk specifically, you know, player that kind of jumped out to me. Again, his overall stats weren't necessarily that great. Um, but a guy in, in, uh, Juwan Harris, you know, taking that final shot and, and getting the game winning bucket. Um, yes, he didn't have an absolutely fantastic game. Again, you know, three, three assists to four turnovers. He had some other kind of issues going on throughout the game, but, you know, he's come up big with two big clutch shots to end out, you know, to end, uh, games recently that I think have really kind of, or I say, has, has that changed your opinion on him as a player and how useful he's going to be offensively throughout the rest of the year? Well, I, you know, I, I think he needs to, to, you know, keep shooting the ball. I mean, you saw uh, in that game and, and in every game this year, I mean, teams are just not guarding him. And especially with no Remy Martin on the floor, I mean, it's just impossible for the other guys to play four on five um, on offense. You know, I, I mentioned this a couple of times during the game that, you know, this game was crying out for a, a guy like a Joe Yesifu who can beat his man off the dribble, get into the lane and then kind of do something. I mean, for all the talk about, you know, how, how steady Dewan Harris is with the ball and, and him being a pure point guard and stuff like that. That's not really his game. I mean, he's not really going to, going to beat his man off the dribble and, and uh, you know, with Remy Martin out, they need someone who can do that. So, um, I'm sort of surprised that uh, Yesfu didn't get any playing time whatsoever just because of that. Um, but yeah, as, as to Harris specifically, you know, um, great shot to win it. Um, I do think that he kind of is one of those guys who will struggle when opposing teams are allowed to get handsy on the perimeter like Iowa State was. Um, and credit to, to Iowa State for taking advantage of that. Um, I just think that it's it's a little bit too easy to um, to take him off his game and, and take him out of plan A. And, uh, you know, I, I still think he's more suited for like a, a backup type role who's being thrust into a starter's role. But, um, yeah, you know, sometimes guys like that just end up making the big shot when it counts and stuff like that. And and, uh, you know, they got to win. So um, tough to tough to criticize him too much, I guess. Well, and it's one of those things like, yes, I, I do agree. It, it seems pretty obvious that he is probably being leaned on a little bit more than you would ideally want him to be. Um, and he's not ready to kind of be the guy to take it over and, you know, potentially create for on his own if he needs to or things like that. Having a guy like Remy Martin out on the floor really does kind of take some of that pressure off of him, allow him to do the things that he is better suited for right now. But I, I do think having these opportunities where he kind of has to do that a little bit and then finding some success is going to help him build that confidence that he needs to continue to develop that part of his game. And it may not pay off this year, but hopefully the next year or two, it'll pay off to the point where he is going to benefit from that and develop into a guy, um, you know, that can run the point by himself, that can do those sorts of things and can facilitate the offense without relying on somebody there next to him to really open those things up for him. Um, you know, Bobby Pettiford was a guy that was supposed to be coming back in his first game and pr- give them a little bit more options. You know, I, I saw a lot of guys who were like, well, wait a minute, like after that performance, why was, why, why were people really looking forward to him coming back? I do think that's a little bit unfair. Just, you know, first time back from an injury and COVID, <laughs> like it's hard to expect him to be able to jump in, especially not having that chemistry being on the floor with the guys. Like it's going to take him some time to work himself back into the lineup to a point where he can be a consistent contributor if he's going to be one this year. Um, I also do think he's going to be, you know, fighting for scraps of minutes at the end of the games. 
kind of like a lot of other players uh, that are here at this point. So, yes, I understand wanting to kind of get him going, um, whether it's him or Yesifu that kind of gets those mop-up minutes or those minutes that kind of jumps in when, you know, you just need a guy to come off the bench and try to spark the team. I'm not really sure, but, you know, this seemed like a good a time as any to try to at least see what he's able to do and try to work him back in at this point. So um, any any thoughts on Pettiford or or are we ready to move on to really, I think, the big story of the down low play again? Yeah, no, I'm I'm just, you know, real quick. I'm I'm still a Pettiford fan long term and short term. I mean, he's he's kind of struggled defensively even when he's healthy this year. But I think as far as that game um, on Tuesday, you know, he, he came back from COVID and a and a knee injury. So I mean, right. it's um, a, a little much, I think, to ask him to to come in and be a you know a, a thirty minute guy and, and score twenty points or whatever. So uh, patience with him, I, I think, is key. I mean, I think he's gonna still be good this year, and then you know, starting next year, I think might have a chance to to seize that starting point guard job. Yeah, for sure. All right, so obviously the big story is down low. Um, you know, you look at the players that typically play down low, Mitch Lightfoot, David McCormick, and KJ Adams, they combined for for 40 total minutes. So they basically played the five the entire game. Uh, they combined for a total of eight points, which is not something that you can really have if this team is going to be successful in the long run. Um, yes, Mitch Lightfoot got the majority of the minutes there with 20, um, but, you know, he struggled at times here. I, I don't really know that you can, or I, I should say, are you are you more worried about the fact that McCormick is still struggling at this point with these teams or hopeful that what you saw from KJ Adams, even though it wasn't phenomenal, seemed to be him kind of taking on a bigger role and kind of learning and doing the things that maybe he should have been doing during the non, like early in the non-conference season. Um, and, and like looking to forward to what Adams might be able to bring us in, in the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that this was ever a game that, that Dave was going to be great in. I mean, like we've always talked about, he's a guy who, you know, you want to, have one postman for him to just kind of latch onto type deal. Um, this was right. not that team. Um, I think you're, you're going to, you know, down the road, there's going to be some matchups where he's going to be a little bit more valuable in um, KJ, you know, he, he got lost on defense a few times. Uh, the good news is he's athletic enough to kind of recover. I saw Jesse Newell posted a couple of those yeah, uh, videos sure. um, on Twitter. And um, you know, I, <laughs> Bill Self has said he, he wished he would have gotten him more playing time. He wished he would have gotten Zach Clements more playing time. And uh, ditto, I wish he would have gotten them more playing time as well. Um, just because it, it would be nice to have a different look. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Mitch. Um, nothing against him, obviously. I mean, I, I said this on Twitter. I think him coming in and, and his energy changed that game on Tuesday. So he still has value. I just think that in the uh, in the non season, you probably wanted to play KJ Adams a little bit more, and and probably wanted to play Zach Clements a little bit more. And um, it does sound like, and, and I guess I, I hesitate to repeat some of this like stuff you hear from message boards and stuff like that. But there are rumblings that you know KJ thinks more of a wing than a center at this point in time, um, and so that's where kind of maybe the disconnect is coming. And he's obviously not going to play. Uh, the wing over a you know Ochai or Brown or or you know even get many of those kind of bench minutes with all the options they have on the perimeter and the need for guys inside. So I mean maybe that explains a little bit to the, as far as his playing time goes. But um, yeah, I just I think it would be uh, would be nice to know what you're going to get from him and Clements uh, a little bit more and, and could lean on them a little bit more rather than. Um, you know, having Dave and, and having Mitch and then kind of, you know, whatever comes next. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, talking about Clements, he was out of this game. Uh, apparently, he has a toe injury. I'm not really sure what he did to it, but uh, Bill Self did say after the game that he probably is going to be out for a little bit of time. Not sure if that means it's going to be another couple games or, you know, if it's something that could potentially stretch for a while. Remy Martin also didn't play in this game because apparently he re-aggravated his right knee injury. So hopefully it's not, you know, super serious and something that's going to require him to be out for weeks. Um, like we said, like, I would much rather see him sit this game and us deal with what's going on against West Virginia without Remy Martin and try to find a way to come up, you know, with a victory there without him, um, then try to rush him back because, you know, you need him to kind of get going at this point. It's going to be a good opportunity, I think, to get some other guys some, some playing time. And, and kind of like you said, I would much rather, I know Bill Self wants to win and he wants to win now. And it would be fantastic if Kansas could, you know, amass enough wins that when they play Kentucky here at the end of the month, that they can be within striking distance for, you know, the overall number of wins. But it is definitely one of those things I would much rather get them set up for a deep run in the NCAA tournament than worry about trying to win some games in the middle of conference play here right now, especially when they're not playing the leaders in the conference in Baylor, um, you know, and potentially, well, the the rematch against Texas Tech and, you know, so some of these other games that they're going to have, they're going to be difficult coming up here. So, um, all right, anything else that jumped out to you from this game? Like, I, I, I agree with you. I think that Adams is going to be a piece that needs to continue to develop and he's going to get there. Um you know, I definitely agree with you. Like what, what Jesse kind of pointed out, it, it definitely doesn't seem like KJ, um, you know, has an issue with, with understanding what it is that he needs to do. It's a matter of having enough repetition to know it without having to be told, um, you know, after the fact of it happening. So once he gets to the point where he's able to recognize those sets, recognize what his role is supposed to be, where he's supposed to go. And regardless of his thoughts about whether he should be more of a wing or, a, you know, or of a power forward as opposed to a center, He's going to get used as a center here because there are other guys ahead of him at the wing spot or at the power forward spot. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got to at least be able to play enough of a center here moving forward uh, to be able to get the playing time that he needs. So um, I don't know that I'm necessarily too worried about all of that, uh, you know, how he's going to be used the rest of the year. But anything else that jumps out to you from this game before we, um, you know, bo- before we stop talking about what actually happened against Iowa State? Yeah, no, I, I kind of just want to forget this game as quick as possible, to be honest with you. I, I don't blame you. So we do, in our second segment for tonight, we do have someone coming on to talk about West Virginia, Brandon Phoenix from, from the Rasty Voice Kids. Um, you know, he, he is coming on to talk about that team. So I don't want to you know, spend a whole bunch of time breaking down this matchup and everything. But what's, like, the main takeaway, the main thing that you think from a Kansas perspective that Kansas fans need to be ready for with West Virginia? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so it, it kind of sounds uh, or looks, I guess, like Press Virginia's back a little bit here, eighth in the country at, at forcing turnovers. Um, that's obviously going to be an issue given, um, you know, what has happened in the last couple of games with Kansas's uh, turnover stuff. Um, I will say, <clears throat> other than that, they're a pretty nondescript team um, that Kansas um, probably should win, you know, fairly, uh, I don't want to say easily because nothing's easy in the Big 12, but um, by a, a fairly decent margin, um, just because even with the turnover stuff, I don't think that they can keep Kansas from scoring enough. And I don't think they can score on Kansas enough to really, uh, push them too much. Um, but you know, maybe they will, uh, teach Kansas a little bit on, on how to play hard all 40 minutes. Cause the couple of games I've watched them, I've been really impressed with their effort and stuff. So, um, yeah, Cash Sherman looks like, uh, a, a dark horse for first team all big 12 and then. Uh, Gabe Asabuyan, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, I, I really liked watching him last year and, and have liked watching him this year as well. He's kind of, to me, 
um, almost like West Virginia's uh, Dewan Harris, where he's not really going to give you anything offensively. I mean, he's shooting a lot more than Harris, obviously, but just a, a good defender and, and a good energy guy for them. And it could be another, you know, tough day for, for Dave McCormick because they don't have like a, a, a post player that you think that they're going to lean on. And, you know, they might need, they might need some of that KJ and, and Mitch effort um, and, and might, might see some uh, Jalen, uh, Jalen Wilson at center as well. It's actually kind of funny because looking at what, like, one, I've watched them, and I, I don't really know that press Virginia is back. It seems to me just more that, like, I'm not really sure what their defensive strategy is. It's turning into a lot of turnovers, but it's not like the, you know, the the press Virginia that we're used to. So I'm definitely going to ask about that one to kind of get his thoughts, um, like, what it is that allows them to be so good at turning the ball over. But, you know, they're actually horrible on the defensive glass um, which is something that should be helpful for Kansas. Um, I do think kind of to your point, Gabe, Gabe Asaboyan, to me, uh, comes across as a guy who offensively isn't like the main guy they're going to, but defensively, I think he's the kind of matchup that might help David McCormick, like spur David McCormick to a good offensive game. And then hopefully, you know, defensively, he's able to kind of do a lot of the things he does, come out and block shots for guys that are trying to drive into the lane, those sorts of things. So I'm actually hoping this will be a really good game for McCormick because you get on the offensive end for, for the Jayhawks, the kind of challenge that McCormick needs to really kind of rise up and do what he does. And then on the, the defensive end, there's not going to be a guy that they're going to go to a whole bunch for him to have to worry about and, you know, potentially give up a lot of good position to. The other thing that really jumped out to me looking at, like, looking over their roster, um, kind of one of the weirdest names that I think is absolutely hilarious, Polly Polycap. <laughs> like when I first looked at it, I'm like, I don't really, is that real? Um, but you know, we talk about the all name team, like Taz, Taz Sherman is great because of Taz, you know, the first name, but, but, uh, you know, I'm always on the lookout for, for those great, uh, all name teams type of names. And, and that one jumped out to me. Yeah. And, uh, kind of, uh, you know, one of these guys who's played at three different, uh, three different programs and, and, uh, it's playing pretty well for them. Um, last year he actually, uh, if I remember correctly, had a really nice, um, um, or not last year, sorry. Um, earlier this year, sorry, geez, Louise, I'm already getting my years, uh, mixed up. That's, that's what right, COVID will do to you, but yeah, geez, that's what, uh, that's what COVID will do to you. I guess all the years are, are blending together. Yeah. He had a couple of nice games earlier in the season and, uh, um, you know, good, good rebounder and, uh, looks to be, uh, one of the better shot blockers in the big 12 as well. So, uh, Kansas is, uh, going to have to watch out for him when they go into the point, uh, into the paint for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, Fetch. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up here. What random sports minute do you have for us? Yeah, so I guess not sports so much, but just uh, a comment on the fact that like the rest of the world uh, these days, I have become completely overcome with this Wordle game. Um, I started playing it about a week ago, which I think is probably when just about everyone else did. And um, I still am not uh, yet been annoyed by people posting their little grids and stuff on Twitter or or uh, texting me them and stuff like that. I've got a group chat with some friends and we, we text each other our grids and stuff when we're done and everything. And um, it's, it's crazy. Today's word was, was crazy. The double letters always, always get me spoiler alert. If anyone, Oh, I know. Well, yet, but, by the time this comes out, it'll be, it'll be, posted, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. But no, yeah. But, I, uh, yeah the, the, I actually noted the exact same thing. I always have problems with the double letters because I forget you can have more than one of the same letter until yeah. I've completely run out of other thoughts. So, yeah. Yeah, today is, uh, was Abby, uh, A-B-B-E-Y, so you know what day we're recording this, but that one took me, I mean, I was sitting there looking at my phone for what had to have been 20 minutes this morning. Oh gosh, yeah. And like, and I, and I got, I got the A and the E done right away. 
Oh yeah, for and sure. So the, the rest, the rest was just like how many, you know, there can't be that many words that have that configuration. So it's been crazy. I'm sure, you know, like every, you know, flappy bird and, and, uh, that, uh, uh, HQ trivia or whatever the heck it was that was going on a couple of years ago. I mean, like everything else it will fade out, but for now I'm, I'm completely into it and love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And you know, my thought process is if, uh, if the, uh, the spelling bee can be on ESPN, then we can consider world to be a random sports minute. So, all right, fetch. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for uh, jumping on to talk about this. That's going to do it for, for looking at Kansas and, and kind of getting ready. Uh, I do need to go where we, we will get over to, uh, to chat with Brandon about the West Virginia Mountaineers and kind of preview the game properly, do a full dive in, uh, with all of the, the insight he can give us there. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. season is finally here big 12 fans and for your home for men's and women's basketball come to midwest madness we are doing game coverages going over game analysis different rankings of teams and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference you're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have so go check out midwest madness available wherever you listen to podcasts if you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And we're back. I am joined now by one half of the Raspy Voice Kids uh, here here on the 1012 Network. It is Brandon Phoenix coming back to the show. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm just happy that you didn't say the better half because then I would have to explain that the JNP you know, that gets a little hairy. So thank you for having me. I'm glad to be on the Rock Talk podcast. Yeah, yeah, look, I I just know that I don't know the dynamics of other people's relationships well enough to be able to tell which one's the better half unless they tell me first. So I just always assume it's (laughs) one half and I'll let them decide which one's better. So, all right. So, so Brandon, obviously we're, we're here to talk about West Virginia. That's the game coming up on Saturday. Um, you know, big, (laughs) it's been a, a really weird season already in the big 12 with a bunch of games kind of going back and forth. Uh, West Virginia is two and one in the conference um, as it stands right now and looking forward to this particular game, you know, coming into Allen Fieldhouse. Um, what, what's the main thing that most Kansas fans need to know about this West Virginia team that they don't already know? What you need to know is that we fully expect to get cheated in Allen Fieldhouse. That's what we expect. We expect lots of things. But primarily, we expect to get cheated. We understand because Allen Fieldhouse is amazing. It's a venue that is all, should be on any sports person's bucket list. Jeremy, my brother, J.N. Fiend Phoenix, has been to Allen Fieldhouse. He said it was an experience like none other. Oh, yeah, for sure. Game, it was a game in which, with just minutes to go, Kansas came back and won. So we recognize what it really does when you're there. But we do expect to get cheated. So that's one thing that I, I'll say off the top. Yeah, I mean, Allen Fieldhouse, it is, you know, there is a reason it is considered by a large portion of the national media as like the place to go for college basketball. Um, because what they have there, the booth, you know, the booth, uh, 
Hall Hall of Fame that's there, and and like everything that goes along with it is absolutely phenomenal. I am I realize how spoiled I am to be able to go routinely watch games there and really kind of enjoy the environment that is there. Um, you know, and and of course root for the team that plays there because they're absolutely phenomenal when they actually play. Uh, so it's definitely one of those things where I don't I don't take that for granted. I know most Kansas fans don't, or at least shouldn't take that for granted, but. Um, you did talk about, you know, it, it's difficult to win for, for very good reason. One, because the team is really good, but also, you know, I, I, I do think that college basketball is one of the sports that is most susceptible to the referees being swayed by the home crowd if they're actually a good home crowd. Um, and when you get to a place like Allen Fieldhouse, yes, it's a very, very good crowd, knows how to take care of their team, knows how to do everything possible to try to get the referees to kind of to help them out where there's a judgment call that could potentially do that. So yeah, I'm not going to pretend like Kansas doesn't get the benefit of calls when they're in an outfield house, because you know, if, if you're a team that's worth your salt at all, you should be getting those calls at home because you know, I mean, that's just the way the sport is. So, um, but specifically talking about this West Virginia team, I know I'm not super familiar uh, with, with the actual roster. You know, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I think most, most fans, the guy that they know the most from this from this squad is a guy that's not even on the squad anymore, and Oscar Sheboy from last year. So, go ahead and let us know, like who who are the main guys on West Virginia's roster that most Kansas fans need to know about. Well, that's a shame. It's it's a shame that Oscar Sheboy is not here anymore. It's a shame that he's the only one that you know. He wasn't McDonald's All American, so I will give you that. But I will tell you, Taz Sherman, General Sherman. Tazinator, all the other nicknames that he hates besides Taz, is one of the best scorers in the country. He's one of the best scorers in the country. He's one of the top scorers in the Big 12 as we speak. He's doing his thing. He missed one game because of COVID protocols, but he's the man. And he and as he goes, typically is how West Virginia goes. The next guy to know was a guy named Sean McNeil, the other guard, a.k.a. Hot Boy. The man has unlimited range. You saw it at Fog Island last year. He went out and did his thing, can put up buckets when buckets are needed, but specifically as a sharpshooter. Gabe Osaboy, and Jeremy calls him Gabe-O. I don't like to call him that because I don't like to call him that. But I'll tell you, Gabe is the guy. He's the glue guy. He does it all. He takes charges. He plays defense. He can find ways to score when the team needs somebody to score. He can also get it done from the free throw line on occasion. Last game, West Virginia was 20 of 21 from the charity stripe, which is uncharacteristic, but it's dangerous. Excuse me. It's trouble for anybody they're playing if they continue to shoot that way. Paulie Polycap is a defensive eraser. He's a guy that will take care of shots when they come in the middle. He doesn't start, but coming off the bench, he's a nice little spark defensively. Isaiah Cottrell is a guy who's coming off of an injury. A torn Achilles. I can speak to that injury because I've torn both of mine, the left and the right. It's Ow. a gruesome injury to recover from. Yes, he's recovered very well from the, that, and he's finding his groove and starting to find some of the tenacity that we need. He's a little soft often, but right now he's starting to find his groove. And Jalen Bridges. Jalen Bridges had 22 last time out, and that's what we need from the kid from Fairmont. He's all kinds of NIL deals going on even though he hasn't been that great this year. But Jalen Bridges being the third option, being the guy that can score points for you from that swing position, the small forward position, uh, is something to be worried about. Kedrian Johnson, point guard. Kedrian Johnson is a really good on-the-ball defender, but we don't really have a great point guard to speak of. That's one of the problems that we've had. 
uh, as one of the things that I would call weakness in West Virginia's repertoire, as they say in France. And I don't know how we're going to make up for it at this point because we just don't have a guy. We just we just don't have one yet. Malik Curry looked like he could be that guy uh, coming over but as a transfer, but so far he's not done it, and then he got injured. They say he's going to play, but he won't be 100%. So that's just a basic synopsis of what, you're, what you should expect out of the West Virginia Mountaineers come this next game. Yeah, so, I mean, I definitely appreciate the breakdown of, of all the different players, and I'm going to be honest, like, I, I knew of Gabe Osaboyan um, and, and a few of the other players, but to be honest, as I'm finding more and more, you know, different teams in the Big 12 are mixing and matching guys and doing things completely differently, even from what preseason expectations were. So, like, I thought I studied up really well, you know, before the year started. Um, you know, like, Iowa State this last, you know, this this last game that Kansas played, they did things completely differently from what I expected. Now, granted, I think part of that is just, like, that's a team that's played a whole lot better and done a whole lot more things than I think most people expected them to, but it's really easy within within the season even for for expectations and kind of the the chemistry and the way the guys come together to completely change halfway through the season. So, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the at the statistical profile for West Virginia, and the thing that jumps out to me the most here is that on the defensive side, they seem to give up offensive rebounds a whole bunch. Um, not yeah. really sure what the reason is behind this. So actually let's, let's start there. What is it that's leading to that kind of issue for them? And is it more of a, a bad luck type of thing, or is it really just something that they're really bad at? A rapper named JT money in the early 2000s said these soft batch cookies might need the police. And all I can say is <laughs> this team is soft. I like their grit, but they're soft. Now they're starting to run out to be tougher on the boards. This last game out, they were much better cleaning the glass. But overall, Cottrell and Bridges have not been as tough as they need to be as starters in that lineup. And that's really the issue. And people are going to come at me, I'm sure, because everybody loves their team and they love their guys. And I love those guys too. But they're soft. They really are. And there are some people who are like, well, they need to do this or they need to do that. And I just believe you are what you are. You're either a dog or you're not. Gabe Osaboyan is a dog. Jalen Bridges, Isaiah Cottrell, not so much. Those guys are finesse guys. They're soft guys. They're European guys. And they don't get on the boards the way they need to get on the boards. And that's what you're seeing statistically. It is It is kind of weird because you look, they're really good at blocking shots, it appears. But I, I'm wondering if maybe part of that then is they're overcommitting trying to block and so they're not getting themselves in good rebounding position or if there's something else going on. But um, overall defensively... I, I like, told you what's going on. Well, no, no, right, right. But, but I mean, like... Overall, defensively, is there something else there? Because they're they're really good defensively. Like they they're are. they're ranked twenty second according to Torvik. Like o- overall defensively, but that's just like glaring hole in terms of defensive rebounding um, that you don't typically see from teams that are that good. I mean, it's they're three hundred and twenty first, which is like there's like three hundred and twenty seven Division one teams, so they are like pretty much dead last in terms of that defensive rebounding. Um, you don't usually see a hole that big for a team that's as good as. West Virginia is statistically. And you don't see it from a Bobby Huggins team. It does not match the identity of Bob Huggins. It yeah, doesn't. true. It's, it's really, it's uncharacteristic, but that's where we are. And I'm telling you, it's, it's soft batchedness. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it any other way. So, so this, this team though is also really good about getting turnovers in the games that I've been able to watch. It doesn't look like West Virginia is doing the press Virginia that we're, that we've been used to 
for you know a while. So so what is it that they're doing now defensively that's allowing them to be as good as they have been in getting turnovers without pressing all the time? A lot of what they're doing is changing what they do defensively. So you can't get a feel for what they're doing defensively. And Bobby Huggins is the master at that. He changes what you expect in the game at any moment. Yeah, Bobby it drives Huggins me crazy ex- watching him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's excellent defensively. And, and there's a reason why he should be in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Uh, and he shows it defensively. The prowess is there. And you can see it in the turnover ratio. West Virginia has done a great job turning people over. Jeremy wondered early on, my brother, my co-host on the podcast, RBK Podcast, he wondered early if they could sustain that turnover, uh, those turnovers, and they have. They really have. And I think they will continue to because of, one, the, Kedrian Johnson is a good on-the-ball defender, a really good on-the-ball defender, and they have committed to playing defense. And when they commit to playing defense, they turn you over. They've got they've got a good length, uh, and then Bobby Huggins confused you. Um, aside from that, I really can't give you a good answer because Press Virginia was the peak of what we did when we wanted to get the ball into our hands. And this is not the same. This is not the same defense. Yeah. So I mean, looking at what else they do defensively, um, you know, it it seems like they give up a lot of dunks. So so, so just looking at kind of the the split of where their their uh, shots that are coming against them are. Um, they don't necessarily give up nearly as many threes as you would typically assume, but they seem to give up a lot of close shots. So either like at the rim or dunks. Um, again, is, is, is that based off of something that they're doing defensively or is this just a team that is kind of to what you were saying soft on the inside? So everybody's going to it. We're soft on the inside. Okay. It's like okay. a cookie that's not all the way. It's not, it's like a cookie you're not all the way baked. We're just soft on the inside. Soft matchingness. <laughs> I've said it once. I'll say it again. The other problem is we give up a lot of straight line drives. When we when we commit to the defensive end, then that stops. And it helps with the drop-offs. It helps with the corner threes. And it certainly helps with the dunks. But there's a lot of soft batchedness that is happening. Yeah, so, I mean, it almost, you know, sounds like maybe they're just getting a little bit too comfortable in the defense that they're out there and, and not necessarily collapsing when they need to as people are driving in. But, you know, that comfort is one thing that is very, very well, or very, very familiar for people that have uh, ordered from sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff, have more than a hundred different schools that are available. They're getting ready to add, to add a whole bunch more. Uh, they have the, the big new Saturday, what they normally do during college football season, where every Saturday, you know, they have a brand new school that gets that gets uh, le- or kind of teased early in the week, and then and then you get one of those from their subscription service. They are doing one that's all basketball related here, starting in January. They've already leaked the first one. It's Cincinnati. I'm looking forward to that one because that one looks absolutely fantastic. Just the, you know the little hints that they've given, but they've got seven more schools coming over the next seven weeks. Uh, all seem to be basketball related in some fashion. So I'm holding out hope that Kansas is going to be one of those because I mean, like I've said multiple times. What's the best time to like, you know, randomly sneak in a school like Kansas than during a whole basketball event? So if you head on over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOCK12, you can get 15% off your, your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Brandon, let's switch over to the offense here because I'm looking at their offensive numbers. There's nothing special from what I'm seeing here. You know, they're, they're kind of middle of the pack in all of division one, um, which unfortunately, well, I guess, fortunately, that's kind of the status quo for the Big 12. Like, most teams in the Big 12 aren't fantastic offensively. Um, you know, ex- except with the exception of Baylor and Kansas are, like, the ones that are ranked way up there. But, um, 
you know, what is it that they do offensively? Where are they going to try to have success against this Kansas team? There's a lot of isolation for Taz Sherman. There's a lot of just let him go play. There's a lot of go play for Sean uh, McNeil, hot boy. Um, you see a lot of that. There was a game where Bob Huggins said they did not call a single offensive set in the first half. Just let wait, him go wait, out what? and play. Yeah, literally. So it's, so it's like schoolyard ball, basically. Exactly. And, 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 and it was obvious. But oh man, it's not it's not pretty basketball. If I didn't love West Virginia University, I would not tune in to watch them offensively. It's not pretty basketball. It's just not. But Taz, Taz Sherman is pretty. He can get you off your spot. He can make you move. He can shoot your eye out. He can get to the bucket. He does it all. Taz Sherman is a work of art offensively. The guy can get it done. He gets buckets. Sean McNeil, like I said, is a sharpshooter. They're going to rely on those guys. Now, if Jalen Bridges can continue what he did last week, scoring 20, or not last week, last game, scoring 22 points, then our offense really can go because you cannot key on Taz and Sean. It changes the game. But I don't know that we can trust Jalen Bridges because he's not been consistent. He scored when games didn't matter. He scored when we've been out in front. But I've not seen him score consistently when the pressure is on. That's the next step for Jalen Bridges, who's only a sophomore. So we'll see what he can do. But that's what you're going to get offensively. Gabe Ozeboyan had 12 points the last game out against Oklahoma State. Shout to Mike Boynton because I love Mike Boynton. I got a lot of respect for Mike Boynton. But anyway, Gabe Ozeboyan had 12 points. And Bobby Huggins, <laughs> Huggy Bear called it an aberration. He said it was He said it was the first time since grade school that Gabe Ozeboyan had 12 points or more. So <laughs> don't expect any outbursts from Gabe. But Gabe will draw offensive fouls. Gabe will get loose balls. Gabe will do the dirty work, which might allow for easy points on the offensive end. It sounds like that that West Virginia doesn't really have a consistent score on the inside. Then is that a fair is that a fair assessment? Oh, definitely not. There is no inside presence offensively. Nobody okay. that you can dump it in and we're going to get buckets. Nobody. Which is kind of funny no because. Kansas has a problem with someone who can consistently <laughs> score on the inside. David McCormick has been off and on all year long. Um, you know, he's had some of his worst games in the last like two weeks here. Uh, Mitch Lightfoot is a guy that comes in and can play fairly well, but he is not a guy that you want to be playing, you know, 15 to 20 minutes and relying on as your main inside scorer. So, um, yeah, this is, this is shaping up to be a game that's going to have a lot of perimeter offense and defense and really not much on the inside, which I think is going to be painful for everybody. Um, yes, if if Kansas is going to get guys going, it sounds like this needs to be a game where that actually happens because West Virginia is going to allow them to do that. Um, I do wonder, though, <laughs> based on the way you're talking and, you know, based off of what I'm seeing here, like I'm, I'm worried about Kansas maybe potentially not having like Remy Martin still because he's been out with an injury which would make it a little bit easier for your guys out on the outside to really kind of get things going. And Kansas has had a lot of issues trying to get stuff going offensively as well. So, I mean, kind of looking at everything going on in this game, what are your expectations then for this game? Like, are you are you expecting it to be a high-scoring affair with both teams going back no. and forth or super defensive with nobody able to get anything going because of all the offensive issues? If I'm betting a West Virginia basketball game, I'm always taking the under because we muck it up and we make it ugly. And the other thing that happens – I looked for a line for this game. I wanted to see what the odds were, and there are no odds yet. And I'm sure COVID has something to do with that. Uh, also, it's you know early on in the week as far as this recording is concerned. I'm expecting West Virginia to not give up. 
Kansas is the more talented team. There's no question about that. But West Virginia has shown propensity to not quit. So they're not out of the game. They, against Texas, they got beat by double digits, but that was because there were multiple players who were out, including Tad right. Sherman. But there, this, I just don't see a blowout possible either way. Um, so I think this is going to be a gritty game that goes down to the end in Fog Allen once again. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's kind of the way the Big 12 is this year. Like the, the biggest wins for any particular team has been Texas getting to take advantage of COVID-depleted teams in, against Kansas State and West Virginia to be able to get those first two wins. So, yeah, you know, thinking about how strong all the defenses are in the conference as well, though, like there are a ton of fantastic defenses in the conference. So it's not surprising that they're going to be low, either low-scoring games or close games as both defenses are able to kind of limit what the other team is doing offensively. Hearing you describe the way that West Virginia plays basketball, though, just makes me wonder how painful it's going to be for people that watch the next West Virginia-Texas Tech game because Texas Tech plays the exact same oh. style. I don't know that I'm going to be able to tune into that one, even though I probably should, just so I actually can see how painful. Like, those that are going to tune into that game and want to watch that game are those that are real gluttons for punishment. I say all the time, the only reason I watch West Virginia basketball is because I love West Virginia basketball. That's it. That's fair. It's like going it's going to watch your nephew in fourth grade play the saxophone in the band, okay? Oh, you God. know it's going to be terrible, but you love the kid, so you got to go. Exactly. Go. Oh, man. And that's, and that's the kind of noise that, that you're going to get out of West Virginia basketball. Well, I think that's going to do it then. Uh, Brandon, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for giving us this this primer on West Virginia basketball. Before you get out of here, uh, where where can everybody find your work online? You can find us at raspyvoicekids.net. Our website sucks, but there are things there that might interest you. Okay, we're working on that. And you can find us, Raspy Voice Kids, everywhere. Raspy Voice Kids, Instagram, Raspy Voice Kids, Twitter, Raspy Voice Kids on Facebook, Raspy Voice Kids on all of your podcast platforms. Check us out. We're a lot of fun. If you love West Virginia, you will love our podcast. If you don't love West Virginia, you will love our pop culture segment. Check us out. It's lots of fun. I promise I'm not lying. There's nothing for me to gain except for listens. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Before you joined the network, Philip turned me on to your guys' podcast, and I started listening just for the pop culture stuff because it was absolutely hilarious. You know, I, I love the uh, Am I the Apple segments you guys do. Those are absolutely hilarious every single time you do them as well. So, uh, Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely great. You can actually give us a rating now over on Spotify as well, not just Apple Podcasts anymore. So if you can do that, it'd be fantastic. It gets the podcast out there so more people can be listening so that we can do more great things and give you guys more great coverage. So, um, if you, if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, we are part of the Anchor platform, so you can actually leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show so that you can actually be part of the show that we're doing here. Uh, we are part of the 1012 Network along with the Raspberry Voice Kids. We have a bunch of great podcasts over there talking about all of the things happening around the conference. We're, we're going to get one for every single team in the conference. So head on over on Twitter at TN12Network uh, to find links to all the shows we have so you can be up to date on everything happening in the conference and how that's going to affect 
affect the Kansas Jayhawks as well. So um, make make sure you go out and visit our fantastic sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Use promo code CHALK12 to get that 15% off on your first order. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Between two. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Abear. Uh, Sickum Bears. Podcast Network.